Hello and welcome to Monday Night Therapy with John and Todd or whatever. Will you keep changing the name up? Because, you know, I don't like to stay, uh, I don't like to stay predictable, Todd. You never have been predictable. Yeah. That is one thing I can definitively say. You know what the best thing about that is? That the, the way that you stay unpredictable is you don't even know what you're going to do next. That's that's the key. There you go. I there have no go. idea what's going on because I don't know what's going on next for me. Anyway, we have a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff going on in Nebraska sports. There's a lot of things going on with Husker football, Husker sports overall. My God. You know, hey, I got before we jump into that, you know, you asked me a while back, what did I get for Christmas? And I'm still working on the best present. My niece, Kara, who married the former center at Kansas State, Adam Holtorf, she gave me a case of dear old Nebraska brew. <laughs> Zip line brewing. And I know we're not getting paid to advertise it, but, you know, this is a nice beer. And it's dear old Nebraska brew. Wow. Let's show that can again. I mean, it's backwards. That's yeah. why, why hasn't somebody named a beer like uh, that before? That's just I don't know, but I have seen it. I've gone down to Zipline has a tasting, a tasting, whatever you call it. Oh, not too far from my mom and dad's. And I pop in there occasionally on a Friday afternoon. And so good stuff. Okay. Uh, first, first, the news. My the news. news. My news is this. Saturday, I do a polar plunge here in Minnesota where the high is supposed to be 11 degrees and I'm going to jump into a frozen lake. And uh, there's, a, there's a URL where you can go and give me support. And right now I am third in my team and I want to be first in my team because it bugs me. So I will post this in the show notes area. By the way, hit like on the video if you're on YouTube so that uh, the algorithm likes this more. Now we can just go right into Husker stuff. Where do you want to start? Oh, my goodness. You know, it, it just seems like good things keep happening. Matt Rule and his team of coaches, they're a bunch of recruiting fools. It is nuts how many new names have popped up, you know, either – you know, a few of them through the portal, but, you know, geez, we got guys coming back, you know, dropping out of the portal, and they're going to let them stick around for a while. And you know, we got some freshman commits or incoming freshman commits, class of 23. You know, geez, a lot of a lot act. And, and now we have a new catchphrase, you know, yes. because this is awesome. And, I, I, you know, honestly, I understand that somebody else has already put it out there, but you said it first, John. I should have tweeted it. That's you should have. Then you have I mean, ownership. Yeah. But, but we so. have the corn dogs. And you know what? If you would, if you would, if you would tweet it out and just spell it D-A-W-G-S, I think it's yours. That, that's, that's true. I, I'm yeah. putting it in here. Let's see. Uh, where the hell did it go? Yeah. I'm supposed to read this needs a shirt. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so much for great English there. There you go. There you go. It needs the shit. Corn dogs. So Corn we got dogs. these guys. Who is we? Should we go? Should I just list them off all the people we've gotten recently? Well, let's start with the corndogs because to me, 
I mean, it's pretty doggone impressive that we got three guys that got national championship rings that are going to come and play Nebraska. Now, obviously, they weren't top-line starters. But we got one of these guys that, you know, I remember him as a freshman. Um, you know, and he was all SEC and pretty doggone good. So, yeah, let's let's start with those three. List them off, John, and chat about them. Well, Jacob Hood, offensive lineman. I think we just picked him up today. He is a offensive tackle. Uh, MJ Sherman is the edge guy. I think we talked about him before, didn't we? I think we were on him a little bit last week. And then we have Eric Gilbert, who is a tight end, who when he was uh, a recruit, he was like the number one tight end of all time, except for Gronk. <laughs> well, and, and he went to LSU as a freshman. And I mean, I remember watching that kid. He was incredible as a true freshman. I mean, and I don't remember the game that I was watching, but the announcers, you know, they were talking him up like nobody's business. And then... You know, he left LSU and enrolled at Florida, but never attended Florida or something like that. And then ended up at Georgia. And, you know, he didn't he didn't play a whole lot. But shoot, Georgia has two real stud tight ends the way it is. But, um, you know, you, you worry about the baggage that somebody like that brings. I mean, you know, Jiminy, he was a. Like I said, he was an all-SEC tight end at LSU, and then he leaves. And I don't know if he left because of Coach O leaving or, I, you know, my my dates are kind of messed up there. But, um, you know. Well, he, let's he be honest. That in. was a mess for a bit. Yeah. LSU yeah. was he, kind of a mess for a bit. Well, he's coming in with the, with the reputation of carrying a little bit of baggage. So hopefully it works out and, you know, he attends to business and, and uh, can contribute. So. Um. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Getting three Georgia Bulldogs, corn dogs, corn dogs, corn dogs. Exactly. Uh, Jacob Hood comes in as he. You know what the most impressive thing about Jacob Hood is? And I, I thought he's like eight uh, foot tall. <laughs> is that what you saw? I guess I looked at it, and what I saw was he has four years of eligibility left. Yeah. And let's see. Six foot, six foot eight, three hundred and thirty pound offensive tackle from Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't take the time to look at these ahead of time. But uh, again, we lost out on that dude that uh, Walter Rouse that went to Oklahoma, and uh, my understanding is he went to Oklahoma because Oklahoma has a better track record of sending players to the NFL off their offensive line. And he didn't want to come to Nebraska. I mean, let's face it, until uh, Rayola, our coach Rayola, Donovan's the kid. <laughs> come on. Wait, Dil no, Donovan Rayola is the coach. Yeah, Dylan's the kid. Uh, until he gets a reputation for, you know, establishing a line and, you know, I, I think if you look at the line last year, and if you were Walter Rouse, you'd kind of go, I want to play in the NFL, and I have like one shot left at this. I think I'd probably have gone to Oklahoma too, honestly. Well, but, it's, it's interesting. Uh-oh. We have a freeze again. We're going to have to – we're going to have to bug the <laughs> – Todd got cut off. 
Well, I, yeah, it's uh, I've had some issues. <laughs> Everybody has had issues, Todd. <laughs> there are chickens dying by the millions. Okay, Eric Gilbert, uh, MJ Sherman. I think we already talked about. Then we got more recruits coming in. Well, you know, back. Let's stay with the portal thing just a minute, though. Okay. You know, and I, I tell you what, my days run together. But you know, apparently Matt Rule must have had had conversation with uh, Xavier Betts and you know Isaiah Garcia Castaneda. Maybe we did talk about those guys we last did. week. But you know, think about that wide receiver room, and we're going to talk about more another wide receiver here coming up. But holy smokes! So we have we have more high school recruits today. We have Jeremiah Charles, receiver from Texas, Ismail Smith Flores, a tight end from Texas, and Gage Wade Wagger. Well, how do you pronounce his name? I don't. I haven't heard anybody have say the guy's name. You know, normally when they put out a guide, when they put out like spring guides and stuff like that, they do release like in game notes and things like that. They do release enunciation or pronunciation guides. And I'm looking forward to that. Okay, so Jeremiah Charles and Smith Flores, the tight end, both of those players played for uh, Bob Wager at Martin High School in Arlington, Texas. As did Gage. As did Gage. <laughs> as did Gage, his son, uh, who is coming in not as, a, not as a scholarship recruit, but as a preferred walk-on which I think is a good way to handle it if it's, if it's your son. You know what I mean? Otherwise, you otherwise you know what would happen, Todd? You know what would happen? What would happen, John? The Iowa people could get pick up on that and do nepotism back at us. It'd be <laughs> tiny, it would be tiny nepotism, but you know, well, it would st still be valid. You know, and, and, and I don't think that the Wager kid or is, is uh, uh, he's not a – a high high value recruit. I mean, you know, they recruited him as an athlete. Uh, he's the son of a coach. I mean, I'm not saying he's not a good player, but you know, certainly he 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 isn't coming in as a highly sought after recruit, and so that works well to bring him in as a you know prefer, a preferred walk on. And you know, the, they also say in, in this Jeremiah Childs or Charles Jeremiah Charles. Um, He's more noted, and this is this is what we're going to see with Matt Rule, for his speed. I mean, it's they aren't saying that he is the highest skilled or one of the better skilled wide receivers, but the guy can flat run, and um, you know, Rule is recruiting those kind of guys. He had success recruiting them at Baylor, uh, bringing. You can't coach speed. You can't coach speed, and just like you can't coach height. In basketball, and so uh, apparently this kid can flat run, um, and hopefully they can turn him into, you know, a competent wide receiver. So the Smith Flores guy has an interesting background. Uh, yeah, his papa, has, papa was an Iowa Hawkeye. Yeah, like his mother went to Iowa. She, I don't think she played any sports, but she went to Iowa. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, his father is. A former All-American defensive lineman, Leroy Smith, played for Iowa into the early 90s. And his 18 sacks for 1991 are still third most individually in a season. 
18 sacks in a season in 1991. That's pretty damn good. Smith yeah. Flores' godfather is Danon Hughes, a former black and gold receiver who went on to spend six seasons in the NFL in the 90s. So Nebraska, uh, you know, picks that up. I don't know if that matters much, you know, but, but it is kind of fun to go, hi, uh, we're taking your people. Because uh, I'm sure nowhere along the line in the past have they ever said that to us about, like, I don't know, that one so, guy they didn't utilize very much as a tight end who now plays in the NFL. So quick quiz. What professional football team does Damon Hughes, is he the color commentator for? We'll look over in our comments and see if anybody can get that real quick, real fast. What what NFL team is Damon Hughes the color commentator for? John, you look at me like, what the hell am I talking about? Yeah, what are you talking about? Well, I you see no that idea. I was going to have a follow-up one. I'll give you the follow-up one. I'll give this one away. Damon Hughes does um, color commentary for Big Ten baseball games. Oh, he does. And uh, yeah, so a lot of the a lot of the Big Ten baseball games that are broadcast on BTN, Damon Hughes does the the commentary. And um, Damon Hughes was a two sport athlete at at the University of Iowa football. He played for the Kansas City Chiefs and. Um, he uh, played baseball as well at Iowa. So, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like our coaches are putting in a lot of work going out recruiting. I mean, I realize Bob Wager, you know, picks up two players that played for him at his high school, but at the same time, you know, you're seeing these guys all over the place. And yeah. uh, we, had a, we had a, a conversation, or we had a, a reference in our Slack room this morning from Patrick. Uh, who referenced the Dr. Rob uh, Zadiska podcast, and they were talking about the difference in recruiting between our former coach, who is no longer with us, and the current coach, Matt Rule, and the difference on how they're approaching things. And I did, just so you know, on YouTube, I posted the link to Dr. Rob's podcast in that if you listen around the 8.30 mark, you'll start to get into the recruiting talk. But... Uh, there was a definite difference. Literally, under the previous guy, it sounded like nobody even knew what was going on. Nobody knew who was talking to who. Nobody, you know, our, our former coach asked the Zadiskas, uh, you know, why isn't your son involved with us? And, and he had to respond, uh, nobody's talking to him. Nobody has talked to him at all. Right. What, what are you guys doing? So it, it's, it's interesting to see the... I don't know. I guess we're bearing the fruits of the, their labor right now. And I, what, the Todd, the, there's a problem though. Tell me about it. But have, are we giving out county scholarships again, like we did, you know, back in the the collar beat up Colorado days, and Rick Neuheisel would complain we had hidden county scholarships that <laughs> nobody knew about, and nobody else in the entire country could figure out this loophole except for Nebraska because we were <laughs> wizards. Well, I, what I do know is we both uh, well I've reached out in Slack with some of our writers that pay a lot more attention to some of this stuff than you and I do, and um, we, apparently. Nebraska has committed to over a hundred scholarships and um, you can only have 85. So, you know, we recognize that um, there's going to be some guys moving on 
after and and most likely they're going to move after move on after spring spring practice yeah. um you know and some guys will move on by their own volition and there will be some guys that uh will have a meeting with the coaches and the coaches will say uh it's uh, you need to look for opportunities elsewhere um or you know the other or, thing they will they will do is they will say uh, we are no longer gonna have you're not gonna have a football scholarship anymore but we will honor your scholarship as an academic scholarship so they're not just like thrown out into the wind you can you can give players when I, there's a coaching turnover you can give players an academic scholarship to make up for their loss of uh, athletic scholarships so that you know I and I think that's right you know I think it. Uh, uh, when the last coach was hired, I, I talked to uh, a player's mother who said he, they were very thankful for it because that player was going to get the chance to get his master's degree in Nebraska, and he wanted to stay at Nebraska, and, and he kind of felt like you know his football career was over anyway. So it did provide him with a good opportunity to you know, not just be thrown out in the cold or something like that. Yeah, I think that you have an obligation to do that, or at least some people not named Kiffin um, or uh, Jimbo, um, you know, they they have a little more respect for the individuals that, um, you know, were here before. But, um, yeah, so, no, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm getting kind of excited now about uh, spring practice, um, you know, that we've seen a little bit of the, you know, a few of the pump-up videos uh, from the weight room and, and, you know, there's a lot of excitement, a lot of enthusiasm. And, um, Hey, I was going to ask you, and we didn't talk about this one. Did you see the, the clip today? Uh, apparently Trev Albert, uh, visited his old stomping grounds up at UNO and Matt rule was with him and Matt rules out on the ice with a hockey stick, you know, where the Mavericks play at Baxter arena and, slapped a shot well it was an empty net but you know i mean anyway oh matt rule he he's even nailing it on the hockey on, on the hockey ice on the rink winning the off season winning the off season. winning the off season and then you know uh one of the assistants uh one of our writers and i i would have been looking for his his comment there but geez i don't know i don't know the names of these assistants they're not embedded in my mind yet but um EJ, what's that guy's name? Ed or EJ? Um, ah. EJ Bar, the running backs coach? Yeah. EJ Barthel. Barthel. <laughs> he said he's visited more towns uh, and more schools in the state of Nebraska than any elected official <laughs> in the state. And uh, he said, the, the comment is, you know, he, he uh, in a few years he could probably run for governor. As many contacts as he's making out in the state of Nebraska, so um, you know, and and that was something that we heard. And you know, other other coaches have you know done it maybe a little bit. But one of the stories that I heard about Coach Devaney back in the day was that in his first two years at the University of Nebraska, he visited, he he hit every high school in the state of Nebraska within those first two years. Um, that's that's pretty amazing, uh, you know, but that's a lot of goodwill. Whether they have a player or not, this year, you know, three years from now, four years from now, 10 years from now, they might. 
That's true. Oh my God, that is that's that's a lot of work. It's no wonder some of these coaches say end up hating recruiting after a while. I mean, I could see that when I, you know, if I was like forty-five, I'd be like, all right, let's go, let's go do stuff. And, you know, now I'm like, oh, what do you mean I have to leave the house? <laughs> Cold out. Cold out. All right, what else we got? We got. Should we go through some Husker news? Husker news. We've been talking Husker news. Other than football, are we still on football? Well, do, do we have any? You know, you're you're in charge of the comments, big guy. Are there some? Should we? You know what? I have been, I have completely I have been completely focused on trying to keep things going. Oh, we we should get a producer or something. <laughs> we don't. Okay. We don't deserve a producer. Wow. Wow. Uh, somebody earlier said somewhere back here at the beginning that Deion Sanders was going back to Mississippi on the weekends. Here it is, Roger Moore. Here it is. Roger Moore says, by the way, Deion is going back to Mississippi on the weekends. He is freezing in Colorado. <laughs> uh, I, you know, Colorado doesn't even get that cold. You know, I mean, it's, no, it's a dry cold. It's yeah, a dry cold. Yeah, one thing. One thing of note, Todd. I have heard for years. You know, whenever we do recruiting articles, whenever we do, uh, well, anything about recruiting, or Nebraska's lack lack of success over the last twenty years, I had constantly would get comments about that's because we lost our pipeline to Texas players when we left the Big Twelve. Yeah. So, do you really think that's an issue? I do to an extent because um, a lot of good players in Texas. Now, it seemed like we, you know, at least with the former staff, that that Nebraska had made some really strong inroads into Georgia. And there's a lot of good players down in Georgia, too. And Nebraska has brought a bunch of good guys up from there. But, you know, if Nebraska can tap into Texas – and start bringing some of those guys out. I mean, you know, we're, we're getting some skill guys. Some of those skill guys are not highly rated skill guys. You know, they're just flyers. But then it makes me wonder, well, you know, are, are we going to make a dent with guys? From, well, I guess we got the Van Poppel kid um, who's coming up, who's, you know, he's a, he's a bigger player. But um, – you know, hopefully they can start bringing up some of those big fellas too. So you think it, it's a difference? I think it does make a difference. Okay. Hey, I, when Purdue was at their very best before Jeff Brom, it's because they had a quarterback from Texas. Okay. Drew Brees. Drew so Brees. then we expect these guys from Texas to start to uh, make it. You know what? We need to make a note of something for a future show in which we go through who all the players are that we think are going to contribute in the first year, uh, even though there are like 300 people on the roster right now and <laughs> half of them have to be gone. That's the other issue that I find is amazing, is when that other coach arrived, he was insistent on having 150 players on the roster, and I can't imagine how much 
that just screwed everything up in terms of logistics, just how much more money it was costing them to have training table and all that stuff and just yeah. adjustments for lockers and all those things. And I can't imagine that Matt Rule is going to keep that. So even beyond the scholarship level, there has to be, a, a I would think, way more attrition than there's been so far. I, I, I think that that would be trimmed down a little bit. But, you know, I, I think Matt Rule, though, I think he sees the value of having Nebraska kids on that roster. And one of the ways that you make make room for those guys, you know, is with the walk-on program. I don't think we'll see 150. Maybe we'll see 120, which, you know, that is a significant difference. Now, you know, I was looking over here. Vince Watson um, has a comment on there. Losing the 500-mile radius recruits was worse than losing Texas. I don't think I can disagree with that. Um because, geez, you know, when you think about the last 15 to 20 years. And was Joe Burrow Was Joe Burrow in that 500 meters, whatever, 500 miles? I don't think Athens, Ohio is 500 miles. I don't oh, know. I thought he was Call from Raj. Council Talkie. Raj, Raj, oh, as Max Vugan was from Council Talkie. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. But they've lost some good players from that 500-mile radius. So, yeah, you know, you got to keep them home. Heck, lost good guys from inside the borders of the state. And, uh, you know, again, I, I don't rem – I wish I remembered names better, but we had that offensive lineman that went out to Stanford. And how many guys have wore the dreaded black and gold from Iowa that – Noah Font, you know? Right, um, Noah Font, yeah. There that was one guy really I, was, I was I was sad about. I, I don't think you can. I, Roger Moore said this way a long time ago. We will need grits on the training table menu for all the Georgia boys. I agree that we will, and we'll couple that. Roger Moore says the best barbecue lives in Texas, so we got to have grits for the Georgia boys, and we got to have barbecue for all the Texas boys. That's going to revolutionize the training table at the University <laughs> of Nebraska. And I'd go down there and eat. I, I've never of turned Of course away. you would. Good God. Look at me. Now, <laughs> not a fan of grits. No. Not a real fan of grits. You, have you eaten grits, John? It, it's been a very, very, very long time. And I, I went, hmm, this is grits, huh? <laughs> okay. I've had people tell me you got to put a lot of butter on them. I've had people tell me cheesy grits, but I've tried them all because I kind of thought it'd be cool if I liked grits, but I just don't like, I don't no. like grits. No. Uh, let's see. Fix You had fixing the playoffs in here. Are we going to go into that? Well, we've, we've, <laughs> we've kind of danced around that, you know, it we was, have. uh, a big topic of discussion a while back and and let me i'll just we'll kick it off here john do you are you a fan of the 12 team play you know you and i have both kind of changed our attitude about nfl football and quite right. honestly i think the last two weekends watching nfl playoffs has been some of the most exciting football that i've watched in a long time i agree so 12-team playoff, is that good for college football, or should we stick with four? No, no it's not good for college football. It's not good for college football at all.
but you know, it's it's uh, what did uh, <laughs> Paul Simon say? Who am I to blow against the wind? Right. So I mean, we're going to get a playoff expansion. We we knew that when, when they did a four team playoff, we were going to get playoff expansion at some point because everybody would complain about four teams not being enough, and maybe it wasn't fair. You knew it was going to come sooner or later. So. I guess you can't stand on the tracks and let the train run over you, but I don't think it's good for college football. Although, Todd, I have been thinking, I'm thinking constantly about starting another YouTube channel where I talk about boomer uh, perspectives. And one of the things that I always think about is, it, it, you know, as we get older, <laughs> as we get older, the, the world is constantly changing. So we went through the BCS and we went into the playoff. You know, now we're in the playoff and now we're going to have 12. I mean, is this, is it worse or is it just different? And I think the, you can look at that from anything that, you know, now that we're both 60 and go back to something when we're 20 and say, okay, this item this is, let's say music, I don't care what it is, any cultural thing. Is it good, is it good bad, or is it just different than it used to be? And I, I guess I look at college football. Right now in the NFL, they're talking about doing neutral site playoff games. You know, this has come up lately in the last few days about how the NFL may be pushing them toward neutral site playoff games. And the reason for it is is because they want people to experience a NFL-caliber stadium. You're worthy of the NFL playoffs, which basically means – uh, we're the owners, and we want you to go to SoFi Stadium and spend God knows how much money on suites. And we don't want the team that is the best team in the NFL to get all that money. We want to distribute it throughout the NFL. You have to give credit to the NFL for at least keeping the playing field label uh, equal, uh, unlike Major League Baseball, which is kind of a joke sport anyway because, you know, the Yankees have all the money and the Minnesota Twins have shit. I, that's one reason why I never pay attention to Major League Baseball. That's a rabbit hole. We're not going there. But the, in the NFL, I mean, they're looking at let's have neutral sites so we can sell tickets to everybody and we can have suites and we can make shit tons more money. And I, that's really what the college football playoffs is about. Well, I understand that it's a money grab, but I, I guess, you know, is it good? Is it different or whatever? And you know, I've never been of the opinion that the only way that you determine whether or not something is good is if you make more money. Um, you know, I I, I have very never be an memories. NFL owner, Todd. I, I understand that, and I'm nor will I ever approach that. Um, but you know, I guess, and it's that would be a you know, you'd start talking about a podcast for boomers' perspective. I you know, I could have a podcast of. How, how money has ruined college athletics. But I guess when in, in thinking in terms of a 12-team playoff, what I really, really hope is that they play in, you know, they play games on campus, you know, it, at least, at least the first round, if not the second round games, play those games on campus so that, you know, you've, you you don't have to well, – well, so that some of those Southern teams have to come up and play, yeah. you know, in, in December, uh, you know, in the upper Midwest or wherever it might be. And, you know, level the playing field a little bit. 
you know, goodness gracious, in that um, playoff game this year uh, um, <laughs> that was held down in Atlanta, I mean, it was 80% Georgia fans. You played in their own backyard. And we saw that back when Nebraska was good and going to the Orange Bowl every year. Um, you know, playing in the home stadium of the Hurricanes or, or in the home state of the Gators or whoever it might be that we're playing down there. Um, there needs to be a little bit of equity in terms of where the games are played. And I would love to see at least the first round played on college campuses and yeah. if not the second round played on college yeah. campuses. And then if they want to, you know, then they put it in your bowl game systems or whatever. But it doesn't sound like that's what they're talking about. No. Um, from what I hear is that they're you know going to try to integrate it into the bowl system so that they don't leave any of those people out. And once again, you know, here, here we are, you know, just, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to have that much of make that much of a difference to be quite honest with you. I, I would say that if they got, they had to go play at Ann Arbor, we would have to ask ourselves, is the big house a stadium worthy of a college football playoff event. <laughs> there was some guy who is a Barrett Sally or something tweeted that uh, 37 degrees is not football weather. 65 degrees and calm is football weather, and it's like it's okay, cool. whatever. I'll tell you what: if you if you you poll the majority of football fans, you know, hardcore football fans. They loved watching that game in Buffalo. They loved it because, you know, and, and I, I don't know. I, there are those out there, though, that say, well, you know, the, the weather shouldn't be a factor. You know, you should, you know, the, the elements shouldn't change right. the outcome of the game. And, and, I mean, you look at what they've done with these fields in the last 15 to 20 years. I mean, they're playing on grass in some of these stadiums, and they don't even get a grass stain. You know, because of the drainage systems and because of, you know, the fact that you know, under the grass is basically sand. There's no dirt, you know, until you get down to another layer. It's, it's just incredible what they've done. Oh, and you can't play. You can't you can't play on it. It's, it's unsafe to play on a field that has divots that, you know, doesn't look like the carpet, you know, in some immaculate building or whatever it is. It's I don't know that that just blows you know, my I, I will say this, the people who make statements like that, that they don't want to see any kind of weather affect the game, those are people who sit in a box somewhere and have all their food delivered to them. I, I, can, I can make that and, and, and challenge any one of you that's listening to see if, that if you see that statement, ask yourself if that guy ever actually is on a sideline reporting at a game or if he's up in the press box where they get all their food, just, you know, there's your food, and, and they freak out if they don't get free food. I'll I can tell you that. They, they're all used to so much comfort uh, that they don't want to deal with it. And that's the problem with the South, the, the SEC especially, coming up and playing in that. They're not going to do that because the people who run stuff don't want to do that. They want to go to nice places and have nice vacations and have their wives and family with them and have the university or the bowl pay for it and you know, yeah. that's the more of the bullshit. But you asked in my 4 or 12 team playoff, you know, I guess let's see what happens with it. I mean, you know, how many years is it going to be before it needs to be 16, you know? Well, you see, that's that's what I think is ironic here. You know, they they say, well, 
you know, the, the natural progression, and ever since anybody has ever started drawing brackets for a tournament of some type, the natural progression would have been to go to eight and then eight to 16 or whatever it might be. That is 12. And, you know, I, I'm sitting here thinking 12, you know, so you're rewarding. Basically, what you're doing is you're rewarding four teams that will not have to play in the first round. Right. And and OK, so that makes the regular season relevant. But does it? Because, you know, is is that kind of what's going to be the criteria for those top four seeds? If it's the same way that it is now, that doesn't prevent um, Alabama from scheduling Citadel, you know, non-conference. That doesn't, you know, change things for any any teams as far as the regular conference. It's it's going to put the premium on winning as many games as you possibly can. And duh, Todd, you win as many as you can. But um, <laughs> 12? Well, why don't you just add four more? I don't know. You know, I'm agreeing with you, John. I think it's I think we just um, we wait and see and, and, and how it goes. And maybe we'll get lucky and we'll have teams that play in the, in the uh, first round, like the first round of the playoffs this year. You know, those two games were incredible games. And, and the NFL games have been really good games. Yeah, I, the, the NFL, I, you, did you – I guess I look at Joe Burrow, and I think Joe Burrow has just been amazing. To watch he's just played it so incredibly well and then they did that uh, you know they did that interview after the game was over and they asked him about you know they didn't even consider you when they were thinking about this neutral site playoff and his line was the best line I thought in any interview I've seen for quite a while which was they better refund those tickets <laughs> that is good oh I'm so glad I'm so glad we had Adrian Martinez and we didn't have to rely on Joe Burrow uh, you know, I mean, um, just so happy, just so happy that we had such a high quality. And I like Adrian. I mean, it just, it still is beyond belief. And I don't want to, don't comment on the Joe Burrow thing. It, you know, it, <laughs> James Marshall says, my ideal football weather is sunny and 40 degrees. Warm weather is for tennis. I can, I can deal with sunny and 40. I got no problem with that. You don't want to go to any 20-degree games in Minnesota? I have been to those. And, um, yeah, I've been to – I was at a game in Iowa City where it was negative wind chill, and we were scooping the snow out of our seats. Um, those are damn cold. God, those are cold. Um, I, no, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> I do want to come up to Minnesota and watch Nebraska kick off the season up there, though, this year. So. Yeah, we need to figure out what we're going to do for that. Well, I mean, we have we have a ways to go. Okay, should we move on? Because I have Shall a question. We? I, yeah, I have a question for you. Yes. What the hell? What the hell? What was it? Thirty-four to six. Yeah. My God, I thought that this was going to be somewhat of an even game or, a, you know, an even match. And I, I didn't watch it, but I'm watching you guys in Slack talk about it, how uh, Nebraska just got, uh, well, they got pummeled. They got annihilated. They got creamed. They got, they got turned into pretzels against I, Iowa in wrestling. 
I, I yeah, I hate to say this, but I called it. I, I wrote it in a couple of places. Nebraska is favored in two matches. What we're talking about, folks, is we're talking about the Iowa-Nebraska duel that took place this weekend on uh, Friday night. And uh, uh, Nebraska was favored in two matches, and I said that's what they'll win unless one of them gets upset. I, I, I had it in the back of my mind that it was possible that number one ranked Peyton Robb might get upset by Kobe Seabrick at 157 pounds. But um, in college wrestling, and I know there's a few people here that know a little bit about wrestling. I recognize the names. We've had those conversations. Um, in college wrestling right now, Penn State is elite. Yeah. Penn State is far and above everyone else. At the next tier is Iowa. And then there's a big gap between Iowa and any other contender. I mean, that's is just it really that it huge, that difference, Penn State, Iowa, and everybody? Yes, yes. So this and is the like a college football playoff system. Kind of. And the gap between Penn State and Iowa is pretty big, too. I mean, they wrestled this weekend. And you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of trash talking going on. There there are people that think that you know Iowa could uh, somehow win that thing, and there's people that think that Iowa could win five matches. I'm not sure where they're finding those five, but um, anyway, with Nebraska wrestling against Iowa, the only one two matches they wanted 157 with uh, Peyton Robb, who's ranked number one in the country, and Mikey Labriola, who's ranked number two in the country at 174. He won his match, which was a close match against uh, Nelson Brands, uh, assistant coach Terry Brands' son. But it was an ass kicking otherwise. I mean, it was just, it was just, it, it was, it was ugly. And um, should we feel you know, bad about this? Pardon? Should we feel bad about this? No, it's the reality. It is what it is right now. Nebraska, I think. Um, when, when the dust clears at uh, the Big Ten tournament this year, I think Nebraska will be a top five team in the Big Ten. And at the NCAA tournament, they might be able to squeak. I don't know that they're, you know, they give, they award trophies to the top four. I, they, they'll be a top 10. I just, I don't know. I, I, they just got too many inexperienced guys in the lineup. They're an exciting team. They're a good team. They've got um, they got good years in front of them. Um, so yeah. So I shouldn't be upset about Mark Manning. No, no, no. There's a lot of there's a lot of schools. There's a lot of schools with wrestling teams that would like to have had the success that Nebraska has had, and they would love to have Mark Manning as their head coach. Uh, well, uh, Nebraska basketball took another hit, and I'm not talking about the loss to Penn State where they didn't shoot their free throws were the damn. Uh, Nebraska lost another starter for the season when Emmanuel Bandemil went out with a knee injury, and you can kind of you can kind of see it during the game as he he went toward the basket and then he just fell over and was obviously in a lot of pain, uh, grabbing his knee and had to be helped off the floor and. I think all you could think was, okay, well, that's it for him. And, uh, you know, we lost Juwan Gary. Losing Bandamil probably was uh, our most flexible defender. I, I think it hurts a lot because he was versatile, 
maybe not the biggest scorer, but I think he just put, you know, he could take the other team's best player and pretty much shut them down. Okay, or at so least irritate them to death. Okay, John, I, I don't, you know, and I've said it before, I don't pay that close attention to basketball, but was Bandamel one of the two guys that Trev Alberts invited over to West Stadium and gave him was, a black yeah. shirt? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the the Rotten Sun and I sat down and looked at the NET ratings uh, the past couple nights, and what because we were watching we also watched some Minnesota basketball, and uh, they almost you know they stayed well with Michigan but they couldn't beat them. But he said, okay, Minnesota is pretty much not predicted to win another game for the rest of the season, <laughs> you know, in terms of percentages, and. I said, well, what about Nebraska? And he said, they look, they're projected to win two more games this season. So, hmm. and if you look out there, I mean, tonight Northwestern beat Wisconsin at Evanston. The middle of the Big Ten is just a bloodbath. And then you, you do have, well, it's looking like Wisconsin and Minnesota at the bottom, and Nebraska actually isn't at the bottom, which is something to rejoice. Right. And then right. Uh, I, I, haven't paid it, I haven't paid that close attention to women's basketball just because – uh, they got thumped pretty good by Maryland. You know, they went out and they beat Maryland earlier in the season for the first time ever and played really well. And then uh, kind of reality set in apparently this last weekend. And Maryland put a, a pretty good beat down on them this weekend. So that's frustrating. You know, hey, we skipped over something I think that, you know, oh. is, is pretty important too. Um, you know, we had someone, well, I think it was Linda last was week. Linda mentioned something about um had we heard anything about whitney lowenstein um you know leaving the program and um linda uh, you know I, I she's got a good source because uh shortly after she put that up here um you know it was released to the media i think that whitney sent it out on a snapchat or something like that that she is in fact uh leaving the nebraska the volleyball team and um, to focus on her own health and well-being and her family. Um, I don't. I didn't know anything about this, but apparently her father passed away uh, about a year ago, and um, she's she's struggled with that, and the family has, and um, putting family, you know, putting her family first and her own well-being uh, in in front of the volleyball. Um, as, as a as a volleyball fan. Um, it's too bad, you know, because right. I tell you what, I really enjoyed watching that young lady play volleyball. She was so quick. I mean, she, you know, her, her arm speed was incredible. You know, she was, you know, her jump was amazing. And, and I've said it before on this show. Um, uh, she, um, she was the most improved. I mean, where she came from, from her freshman year to this last year, to me, was just absolutely amazing. And uh, I, I'm sad. I'm sad because we won't, and it's for selfish reasons, we will not get to see a, a very exciting young lady play volleyball at, right. at Nebraska. So. Yeah. I got a job bringing that up. Okay. Next on the list, baseball. It's quickly approaching. Yeah. I, we got a press release today that said Nebraska baseball is going to have a fan fest on uh, February 11th from noon to 2 o'clock at the Hawk Center. You get out there and, and 
take your kids and get their face painted and hand them balloon animals and stand in line for autographs. And are you going to go do that? Are you going to go to that? You know, I might, I might go down. I I'm probably not going to get face paint. I mean, I'd be kind of stupid for a 61 year old. Oh, come guy. on, come on, be a kid. Should I, should I get like butterfly wings or something like that? Maybe. Well, okay. That's a little kind of, that would be kind of creepy, actually, Todd. That's what that would be. That would be creepy. Maybe, okay. I don't know. Maybe people in the chat could suggest what you Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I've the seen what fest. they suggested. They've suggested, yeah. Well, yeah, the, the Fan Fest is, is the 11th, and then um, they open the season. I think the first game is the 19th. I know they're out at uh, University of San Diego. Uh, they're going to play four games out there. Um, holy smokes, would I love to go to San Diego and watch Nebraska open the baseball season. I'm excited. I'm pumped. Um, brought in a lot of new players. You know, it's kind of like, you know, for all of these new faces that Matt Rule has brought in, Will Bolt, he turned over his his entire team almost. Um, so really pumped up, really excited about that. I, hey, you know, go ahead. I, I was going to ask, uh, we, we need, <laughs> we, we need to figure out Thanks, between Brett. you and Aaron, most of our big 10 sites don't do anything with baseball. In fact, I can't think of any of them to do maybe Indiana covered it once in a while, but, uh, we need to look at the entire big 10 and do baseball. In other words, we need to look at it and go, okay, where's Nebraska going to fit in the, uh, yeah, there you go, Roger. If John is taking the plunge, Todd can get his face painted. That's from Roger Moore. There you go. Uh, Fred Sacco says, I missed it. I clicked on the wrong one. Uh, Charles Hullett says, USD is the freaking cradle of coaches, University of San Diego. Dan Gunn, Jordan Dodge, them day. Fred Sacco says, don't paint your face up, Todd. That's a cover of a horror movie on VHS. Very good, Fred. Um, <laughs> And Beetle B said, had a Runza yesterday. Roger Moore asked Runzas and... These guys this, know our script. They know our they, script. They do. They know our script. They know what we're talking about next. I don't know if any of you saw it, and I need to figure out how to incorporate great graphics into this thing a little better. But Runza announced, what, a two days ago? That they I are saw coming today, out... But that they are coming out with chili and cinnamon roll ice cream. I want to know in this chat, cinnamon and chili, cinnamon roll and chili ice cream, who's going to try this stuff? Because that just, I get the whole chili and cinnamon roll thing. It's not a thing that I do. I think it started after I left Nebraska. It doesn't sound horrible, but it really depends on the chili. But putting them together in ice cream, like, come on. That just oh, I think like... it sounds great. I think it sounds great. Are you serious? Oh, I'm pumped. Yeah, absolutely. Then you're, you are going to get some, and you're going to get it on this I show. I will. And you know what? I'll tell you what. Some of the best ice cream I ever tasted, and people said, oh, this is going to be horrible. Maple bacon ice cream. That was some of the best stuff I ever tasted in my life. I'm it's Fred Sacco. Cinnamon roll chili ice cream is runs a pregnant. That's exactly what it sounds like. That is exactly what this sounds like. 
is some kind of horror novel combination of, of craving that nobody in their right mind would put together. There's, an, there's, a, there's the second quote that we need to copy and save for the quote Hall of Fame. Fred, you, you're on the board with that one. Holy smokes. God, <laughs> uh, we still have almost eight minutes left. Yeah, yeah. We do. You know, somebody said, uh, I thought I saw their runs as chili is the best. I've never eaten runs of chili. Really? Um, you're going to have to try it, I guess. Before, Well, I think I'll try the ice cream first, and then I'll, you know, because it's ice cream. But, uh, oh, my God. I, I, did, I did eat Wendy's chili once. Actually, I think I consumed it twice in the same setting. <laughs> I'm not. I think that. You know, go. You know what goes with chili, Todd? Cinnamon rolls. No, <laughs> it's from your past. <laughs> MB twenty twenty. Well, that's where I was at. <laughs> oh, do they still sell that stuff? MD twenty twenty. Yeah, uh, I haven't looked on that shelf of the liquor store. <laughs> fortunately, fortunately, I've generated enough income. I don't have to go to the shelf with Mad Dog twenty twenty, Boone's Farm, and Thunderbird. I've been able to stay away from that shelf. We we could end this with that story. Oh Jesus! We want to tell your entire story. But years ago, years ago, what was it? 1983, 1984? When was it? 84? 84. That's the tour. That was the Springsteen Born in the USA tour. Yeah. 80, in 1984, Bruce Spring, Springsteen came to play in Lincoln, Nebraska. Yes, and, Linda, I did see your beer tip. I wrote it down. <laughs> and, and Bruce Springsteen was coming, and they were going to sell tickets. And I remember how this happened for me. Uh, one of my roommates came home from the bar, and he's half drunk, and he said, they're already lining up but down by the Union for Springsteen tickets. We need to get in line now. And what was it, Wednesday night, Tuesday night? I think it was Tuesday night. They were going on sale Sunday morning. So what happened was is we went down, two of us went down, and there were, there were, you couldn't buy as many tickets as you wanted. You had a limit four. on the number. You had one, four per person, was that it? Okay, yep. so we took like two guys, two of us went, or three of us? Well, two went and... Somehow we got we had a total of six spots. <laughs> we got a total of six spots in line. I remember that. I know. I know that that night it was raining and it was cold, and uh, I slept on the pavement on the sidewalk next to the student union, so that we could have a, a spot in line. But what happened was this tent city got built up on campus, waiting for those days for the Springsteen tickets to go on sale, and it was a raucous good time held by both college students and adults, and the Daily Nebraskan wrote an article that stated we were wreaking havoc across campus, and uh, I don't think we were wreaking havoc across campus. We were certainly wreaking a little havoc around the student union, and, and part of that involved uh, some libations. Uh, yep. Because, you know, when you're broke, and unlike nil today where people get apparently a lot of money, uh, our favorite consumption items were those that were the cheapest but provided the biggest kaboom. And as Todd named them, uh, MD2020, God help us, Boone's Farm, and Thunderbird Wine, which when we found it at N Street, still had dust on all the bottles. <laughs> 
Well, it was and, a quality wine. You know, that, that, that tent city, it snaked around central campus. I mean, there were yeah. literally hundreds of people eventually in that, in that tent city. And you could put, you know, people brought couches and they built tents over their couches. But you had to tear everything down by 7 o'clock in the morning because, you know, school was going on. And there was a football game that Saturday. And, you know, people were coming from out of town and they're looking at all these people, you know, lined up for Springsteen tickets and wonder what the hell's going on. I had a high school friend that, you know, he went to one year of college at Northwest Missouri State. He was about 400 spots behind us in line. I hadn't seen him, you know, in quite a few years. I mean, it was just nuts. But where what John's alluding to is that Hogan David. on, on – um, on Friday night of when everybody was in line, um, it, it, it was a party. I mean, it was a party at the Union. And people all, I think one of the local radio stations was playing Springsteen music nonstop. Everybody had their boom boxes on, you know, and singing and dancing and drinking and all that kind of stuff. And it was, you know, we, we, we traded off. Um, our spot right. line, we, we rotated. And that Friday night, I was spending the night and we had some chase lounge um, chairs, you know, um, lawn chairs. And I was there with a couple of buddies of mine and a couple of people held our place and we went down to Wendy's and we've got chili. And another couple guys went over to the liquor store and they bought like four or five bottles of MD 2020. Mad Dog 2020. And we'd already been drinking a lot. I was scarfing chili like a madman <laughs> and washing it down with Mad Dog. And I was so insanely drunk. And I threw up so violently that chili <laughs> was all over hell. It was hell. And somehow, you know, believe it or not, I fell down and I banged my head against um, they had those concrete benches. I had a concussion, passed out, I'm sure. The next morning when my shift was over, somebody, you know, some friends came. And they could hardly even wake me up. They took me. I woke up. That was Saturday morning. I woke up Sunday morning. I missed a day of my life because of that state that I was in. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was, Acid reflux, Fred, you're right. Oh, my you God. Go. Fred Sacco comes in and says, I think I discovered uh, Todd's pro wrestling name, Acid Reflux, which is, <laughs> Fred, you, we thank God you're here because uh, you come up with some dingers. Oh, my God. Um, oh, Elk Creeks. Oh, Roger, Elk Creeks. I, I don't. Didn't you go to Cornfest or whatever it was over on East Campus? When they had those rock bands over there. Yeah. One of our, I think it was Decca, Gina or Decca, one of those two. They had some friends and they had a big cooler full of Elk Creek that they'd mixed up. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. I don't remember. What is that, a punch? No, uh, it's, it was, it, I don't remember what it was. It was a punch, kind of. Yeah, sure. All, I, I thought all of our punch was dead baby punch. Well, that's when we were in charge. Decca and Gina had a lot more class than we did. <laughs> that's true. Okay, what else do we got? What else do we get? You, by the way, uh, Bruce.
Springsteen came to Lincoln and he played for four freaking hours. It was that insane. Was, that was the first time I'd ever seen Springsteen, and I would see him, I, I think, twice more. We took we took my oldest son to a Springsteen concert when he played when he had the uh, he was doing the New Orleans music. Sure. And he again he he was 45 minutes late getting on stage and they told us because he had back issues but then he came out and he played for four freaking hours again the guy was in was like he's dead he is an amazing showman he's probably easily yep. the best live concert i've ever seen just because his music is so I mean, you have Rosalita at the top, and then you have, you know, the, the Nebraska album, which is full of dreary, horrifying oh, songs, yeah. Yeah. you know, and you yeah. have this such dichotomy and up, ups and downs and emotional swings for four hours in this conference. We went home exhausted from that thing, and it was so I was fun. worn out. I took my mom, if you remember, I took my mom to the concert in Lincoln because she had read about Springs. Well, they delayed it. You know, they, they moved it off the scheduled date and they delayed it. And we and my mom asked if we had an extra ticket. We had 24 tickets and she asked if I had an extra ticket. I did. And so we took my mom to the concert and we were worn out. I mean, we were exhausted yeah. when it was, it was over. It was a pretty good time. God, that was fun. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, here we are, Remnant. Yeah, Elk Creek at Sandy's. You're right, Fred. Sandy's. They had they had the best. Ooh. <laughs> I don't Sandy's. Sandy's just, is down. There's just chunks of my memory missing. Some's completely intact, and then some are completely gone. Uh, oh, what bar? There's a bar in Lincoln that I completely forgot. Duff, it's not Duffy's. They, they used to play bands there. We saw like McMurtry. Some of those guys that I knew with McMurtry, their bands played there. Uh, Out on Forty Eighth Street. It's, no, it was on O Street. It's on O Street. It's, it's not Duffy's. Okay. Yeah. But I, I remember, you know, the, I saw somebody on Facebook make, I made a comment about that, and I thought, what is that? And it was Dave Solomon, and he replied, uh, you know, that's where we used to play in college. And I, I was like, I don't remember any of this. And then I went, I went to a football game, and I walked over and stood in front of it, and I bawled my eyes out because it was just completely, all of it gone from my memory. It was just really... Talk about ups and downs, Todd. There you go. The you got to bring in a. You have to bring in a highlight. Oh my Was God! Charles Hullett brings up the drumstick. Charles Hullett, please come back. Uh, we have we have crossed the hour mark, and that is usually our time at which we finish. You the saw Charlie Burton quite a few times. Out. No, Charlie Burton was at the zoo. Yeah. S saw some good bands out at the drumstick. I. Yeah. Oh, Charles, come back. Yeah, Charles, come back. come back and bring up the drumstick. Like in the next, yeah. we have a long off season and not football talk. So the drumstick should, the drumstick is something that everybody in Lincoln, Nebraska should be aware of. You know, I realize we're two old guys, but the drumstick was an unbelievable place to be. Yeah. Uh, I don't know of anything else. I don't know of, uh, you know, the call or the NFL playoffs. We still have two championship games and then the Super Bowl. So there's still some football going on. There's still recruiting, obviously, going on. Uh, baseball is approaching. Uh, we have to. We get to see if our Nebraska men's basketball team can finish the season without losing any more players, and if they can possibly, I don't know, work their way up the rankings. And if Fred Hoiberger is coming back next year, I think those are the big issues for men's basketball. Uh, yeah. And then the zoo. Okay. The zoo. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. Okay. 
Todd, good night. Hey, good night, John.